In the old days, our eyes were optimized to see far away. We had to watch out that we weren't going to be eaten by a lion, tiger, or bear. We had to keep our eyes out for the weather or for safe havens where we could sleep at night. But now, we're spending our lives 18 inches away from our eyes. We have to be sure that we're spending our days in front of screens. We're watching our texts and our phones, and it's wreaking havoc on our eyes. We're getting nearsighted. We're running the risk of of blindness, frankly. It's damaging. It's dangerous. I'm talking today to Dr. Mark Grossman, Behavioral Doctor of Optometry, to let you know how to survive the 18-inch world. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. I'm Sarah Heiner, President of Bottom Line Inc., the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled to be talking today to Dr. Mark Grossman, a behavioral doctor of optometry who specializes in a holistic approach to eye care. With his whole body approach to eye health, Dr. Grossman is watching firsthand the abuses our eyes are suffering as a result of the digital age. He's the author of the penultimate book, this giant tome on natural eye care called Natural Eye Care, Your Guide to Healthy Vision and Healing. You can learn more about Dr. Grossman and all of his work at naturaleyecare.com and his books are available at Amazon and at all major booksellers and I highly recommend them. Mark, thank you so much. It's great to talk to you always. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this work to have people be able to put their things to the public. Knowledge is power. It is. Well, and the first time that you and I met in person, we actually had dinner together. You were at one of our expert dinners. And I was so intrigued because you look at the whole person and it's not just about the eye and the eye is not simply a thing that's a socket in the middle of your face, but it's about whole body health and the interaction between your nutrition, your body, your, your fitness, your environment, which is really what we're going to talk about today is our environment and eye health. Yes, we don't treat the eyes. We have to treat the person behind the eyes. And remember, the eyes embryologically, physiologically, and neurologically are brain tissue. So if you can change your mind, you can change your eyes. So they're very, uh, they have a lot of neuroplasticity to them. So, well, and, okay, so now that perfect segue, thank you so much, we didn't even rehearse that, because what we're going to talk about today, uh, I don't know if it's neuroplasticity, but the evolution of the world around us and the the havoc that the environment and the screen environment in particular is wreaking on our eyes. And you talked about that the the digital age, that our hunter-soldier eyes of, of traditional humanity is actually getting attacked by the digital screen-focused, close-worked focused environment that we're in. Explain that, please. I feel like today, with technology going at such a rapid pace, we need to learn how to survive and thrive in this digital age because how we use and abuse our eyes will affect us on a functional level. Remember, function affects structure. Well, and, you know, I guess I'd never thought about this, but primitive man's eyes were optimized for looking at the horizon, for watching out for predators, for scanning for food. Um, And I guess even the hunter side of ancient man was searching for healthy, you know, safe places to live or healthy food, looking for healthy bushes and stuff. So that now where we are, we were optimized for distance and now we're so short focused 
And you said that there's a, a an epidemic, a growing epidemic of myopia and nearsightedness going on. Oh my goodness, yes. In China and Japan, it's up to 80 to 90 percent of students from 12 years old and younger are nearsighted. I think by the year, I don't know if it was 2030 or 2050, there should be 5 billion people in the world nearsighted. Now, if you go to third world countries or to Africa or uh, and different cultures that don't spend as much time doing extended close work, you'll see a much, much, much less incidence of nearsightedness. So let me ask you this. Is it, because, I mean, does it really matter? So our eyes were optimized for farsightedness. So evolution says that, you know, you, you have selection for survival and that our bodies adapt to the new environment. And does it matter if we're nearsighted or is it that our eyes haven't caught up to the to the you know the the cultural revolution and our eyes are evolving far slower no no it, it's basically the fact that that you know whether we go on to like higher academia and uh, accountants lawyers doctors computer operators you know it's it's not an evolutionary thing it's a you know to me it's a cultural thing on how our culture deta- uh, affects our eyesight. And I feel I'm a little biased, being an eye doctor for over 40 years, I'm a little biased for the fact that our vision, being our dominant sense modality, has to make adaptations to this new way of being and seeing the world that's limited for many people from arm's length and closer. And what's the impact on the health? So again, and you know, but the premise here is that we really are wreaking havoc on our eyesight. But sometimes I'd like to just play my own devil's advocate because what difference does it make? So if we have to wear eyeglasses, like what is the danger to our bodies, to our eyes, um, to our overall you know, vision in general of suddenly living in this close-in world? Like let people know what, what we're really putting our risk at and it's not just about getting a new pair of Prada glasses once every few years. Well, it's not just, as you said, it's not just getting stronger and stronger glasses or contact lenses. It also is increasing our risk of ocular pathology, uh, glaucoma, cataracts, macular degeneration, all starting to happen, as I see in the clinic I work in, at younger ages. When we're working on these screens, the blue light that comes out of the cell phones, the computers, uh, this is all breaking down uh, our retina and our lens and our eyes, so I'm starting to see ocular pathologies at a younger age. Also, when you're uh, doing so much close work, it has to have an effect on your body. So therefore, much more strain on your neck muscles, your back muscles. So it's not just vision conditions. We need to be ergonomically set up better uh, when we are using these, this technology, because technology is here to stay. Yeah, so it's interesting, actually. So two two directions for me to go. One is, you know, it's the the screens and the electronic age has accelerated everything, but man has been doing close work, we call it since the printing press, right? Because we suddenly right. started re- reading, we started, you know, we were reading books, we're working at desks, you know, since we came in from the farms. So it's it's not just in the last 10 or 20 years, it's simply an acceleration in the last 20 years, and the light coming off of the screen is 
also an acceleration of the damage. Is that a pretty fair statement? Right. But, you know, before the technology age, the people who did a lot of reading, the accountants, the lawyers, you see them and you saw even 30, 40 years ago, those, those professions were much higher in nearsightedness uh, than other professions. But now we're doing, even the people not in that prof- these kind of professions that are near-centered, are doing all their communication through these uh, technology. There's cell phones, uh, the computers. So before you would talk on a phone that you had to, like, you know, dial up and, you know, while you're talking you can look out the window uh, like I'm doing right now. But, you know, now people are looking at their phones and communicating with each other at a near-centered place. And it's it's a whole different ballgame as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, and as you said, so we're essentially we're aging our eyes faster. So diseases of old age of the eyes, cataracts, macular degeneration, which if people don't know it is, I think, the number one cause of, of blindness, is it not? It's the number one cause of irreversible blindness in the United States, yes. So, but that, so we're raising the risk of those diseases. So it's not just new glasses. We are, we are damaging our eye tissue. I feel so. I mean, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I have some studies on that. But yes, as there's link ups, uh, some studies on overuse of computer use and glaucoma, uh, there's studies of uh, blue light affecting the macular degeneration and cataracts. So yes, as we're doing more and more of this close work, uh, it's affecting our vision. But, but you know what's interesting? What's interesting is that the number one, by far, and this actually came through on my uh, email the other day through WebMD, and regular physicians are, are looking at this too, the number one thing to reduce nearsightedness is <clears throat> go outside. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about preventive strategies and what people yeah. need to do when they're dealing with all of this. I think the number right. one, the number one thing that anyone could do for all, for be it diabetes, heart disease, brain health, eye health, is go outside. <laughs> yep. You name it, we need to get outside more. There's no question about it. Yep. All right. I feel like we're, you know, you have like ADD, you know, attention deficit disorder. Yeah. Many of us, because of the culture, especially in the, in, the, in the city environments, are NDD, Nature Deficit Disorder. Well, I was going to say it was ODD because it was Outdoor Deficit Disorder, and then you'd call us right. all odd. Yeah, I, we can call it either one. I like <laughs> both of them, actually. <laughs> Mine spells a word. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's talk first. Let's talk about smartphones, and then we'll get into um, what we can do to help prevent our eyes and keep them healthier. Um, but let's talk first, because smartphones seems to be the lion's share. Increasingly, we see it with all of our digital traffic. Over 50% of people are using their smartphones, not even sitting at desktop large computers in front of their faces anymore. So talk about what it is that makes that smartphones is even, I'll call it, worse of the worst um, in terms of the impact on the eyes from a screen, focus, posture, all that sort of thing. Well, a couple things. One is people tend to hold their smartphones closer to them, which increases the strain on the eye muscles than you would normally at a regular computer or a tablet. 
That's one. Two, the fact that, you know, many times the print or the font is smaller, so again, you're putting extra strain on your eyes, and the area that your muscles have to focus into is more concentrated. So should people be aiming for that same 14 to 18 inches like they do with a computer screen or a tablet with the yes. phone? So even yes. if they have to increase and put on the grandma size type, they should right. do that. Also, you know, I, I don't have the exact measurements, but the electromagnetic frequencies that come out of, you know, and every smartphone has a different level of electromagnetic frequencies, EMF, that come through uh, can affect the person too. Um, so again, the farther you are, the better. Uh, the bigger the screen, the better. Uh, taking breaks, the better. But the smartphones, I think the m most problem of it is the distance that people hold them from them. Yeah, and then also, you, you started to say before, and I'll say it here too, the, posture, the text neck that people use, that you know, we're, we're getting these other postural issues and back and neck issues and headache issues as a result of all the cell phone use. Right, right. So they'll go to the osteopath, the chiropractor, the physical therapist, and, you know, they'll get temporary relief. But again, again, they're just treating the symptom. The cause underlying it is the fact they may be hunched over, they may be bending their head as they're talking on a cell phone for a long period of time, it's the postural ergonomics that they use while being on the smartphones. You know, it's so funny because to, to kids' credit or to people's credit, they said, okay, don't be on your phone all the time because the electromagnetic waves are bad for your head. So there was texting and they thought, okay, cool. So they'll text more. That way they don't have to be on the phone as much. But now you start texting and then that creates other problems, right? There's no... There's no getting away from the excesses of these different, different behaviors. Yeah, it's everything in moderation. I mean, we need to take breaks. I mean, it's, it's amazing when you look at the, the statistics on how much people spend per day on devices. I think it's up to like seven to nine hours a day. Oh, frightful. Yeah. Now, not yeah. all of it is necessarily skimming through Facebook, I have to say, or, you know, watching poodle videos. There's people are checking email or people are really are doing work on them or they're doing, you know, and I find that I'm on it a lot because it's quick and easy. If I'm in a meeting even and need to refer to something or check some piece of information, you know, we're constantly on and off of it. Oh, I am too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But you have self-defense against some of it. Um, is there anything else with regard to smartphones? Um, screen brightness you know and you talk about i think you said something about you know the screens at night and people being on their phones oh, yeah, at yeah, night that's especially distracted there's apps free apps on your phone it's, oh god i think it's flux that you can set to uh reduce the blue light filters on your you know to help screen out the blue light on your phones um what else well, we'll talk about the blue light later on. I want to. We'll get. We'll get to the blue light in general. But were, are smartphones worse? Like, are, are they more intense in terms of some of their their light emittance um, versus again desktops or or pads, iPads? Is it, we don't even talk uh, about TV anymore. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't really personally use a smartphone a lot. Yeah. 
but I would say that to just put the brightness of any tablet or computer or smartphone not at a, not at the highest level, but try to put it like right in the middle, like 50%, because the brightness will also, uh, you know, affect the person. Right, affects affects the melatonin levels. It affects the circadian rhythms and all of that. Yep, yep. It will yeah. suppress the melatonin levels. Right. It affects sleep levels. Uh, and when you do that, then it becomes a whole cascade where it, it affects your adrenal glands, and then we start developing adrenal fatigue. So, you know, the, one of the most important things we can do for health is sleep. So you want to you want to make sure you get at least a good five hours of sleep per night because if you don't you produce 30% less adrenal hormone, and then you'll get more fatigue during the day. So you want a good deep sleep, and if melatonin levels are suppressed, that won't, um, that won't happen. Right. All right. So let's talk about prevention. So, you know, we, we, I've kind of glossed through, and I wanted people to understand that, that the screens that we're on, our technological world, is attacking our eyes. But what I really want them to come away with since they're not going to walk away from their screen, so they're not going to put their phones in their pocket, what can they do about it? How do they protect themselves? Um, and you did a presentation where you had 10 steps for healthier eyes. I kind of broke them down into four groups of, of you know, kind of tactics or buckets with regard to those 10 steps. Um, the first thing was about taking a break from the screen, right? So Yep, that... that Right there, that's the most important thing because as you're, if you do sustained close work, your body and your eyes will adapt for that. So the number one thing is to take a break, stretch your body, look outside, look out the window. Yep, that's number one. And you have kind of a formula. You say that every, every 15 minutes, you should let your eyes wander for a couple minutes. And then if it's 30, you have five minutes, that you have, you have kind of a formula of just look away from the screen and change that focal point yes rest eyes and let them let them just wander for two minutes every 15 minutes of close work five minutes for every 30 minutes of close work and 10 minutes for every hour of close work now i know some people say oh my god i'm in the middle of things i can't look away for two minutes then give me 20 seconds 30 seconds you can do that (laughs) you know so if you can't do the two minutes every 15 minutes or the five minutes every 30 minutes or 10 minutes every hour of, of close work, do, you know, try to follow a 20-20-20 rule, which is every 20 minutes, look at 20 feet for 20 seconds. For me, that's the minimum. And is that, so is that resting the eyes or are we really exercising the muscles? Because again, it's getting getting those focusing muscles to go adjust to the different distances yes when you look up you're going to be relaxing your extraocular and your ciliary muscles of your eyes and you know it's sort of giving them a break right letting them just gaze into the horizon so in a way it's resting the eyes uh but we have some other exercises we can do to rest the eyes too later on um, yeah. Well, I don't think, I think people don't even realize, again, I think we take our eye muscles for granted. You know, they, they understand if I run a marathon, I'll rest, but they don't quite understand rest my eyes. That's like, you know, that's like copying out, but it's yeah, important. My feeling is, is that, you know, you go to the dentist and the dentist talks to you about dental hygiene, 
floss your teeth, brush your teeth, come in every six months for this. But we need to talk about visual hygiene. We need to talk about how do we take care of that part of our body, because if we don't, it'll break down on us. Right, and you can't floss your eye. Um, <laughs> I, I will tell you, I was really pleased to see my daughter, younger daughter just graduated college, got a job, um, and she's a research analyst. So she's sitting at a computer screen pretty much all day long. And part of her job, they have built in required breaks for her to step away from the screen. But that's mandatory, which is good. I was really pleased to see it. Yeah, that's fantastic. The other thing that affects people when they're looking at screens is uh, they tend to not blink as much and they tend to not breathe, breathe as much. So I actually call one of my uh, recommendations is the three Bs. Blinking, breathing, and the third one is beaming. What I mean by beaming is make a little smile. When you smile and make, you know, you can't put strain on your eye muscles. So blinking and breathing are very important. So I call them blinking, breathing, and beaming. So when you take that break, remember to do that. And when you're on the computer or smartphone, remember to blink and breathe. And you should blink eyes rapidly, like six times. Then allow a few seconds between blinks, and then shut the eyes for two slow breaths. And repeat that four times. And this will help with the tear film and help protect you from dry eyes. Dry eyes is, is again, a number one symptom from people who's being on the computer all day long. Should they do that little exercise when they're taking their two-minute break every 20 minutes? Yeah, that would be fantastic. So they... So they blink six times rapidly, then allow a couple seconds, then they shut their eyes, take a couple long, deep breaths, and then they repeat that four times. Yep, that would be great. And, but remember and smile. They the smile through. So that they're not doing it while holding their breath. And they smile the through it. need oxygen. And they smile through it. Smiling is one of my best tricks. If you just smile, I've said this to other people on other podcasts, if you just smile, it changes your whole demeanor. It's so fun. Like you can oh, be yeah. the grumpiest. You can't be angry and smile at the same time. Right. Another, another little thing for people um, is that they can go, like, to the health food store or something, and they get, you know, like rose water? Uh-huh. You know, when you're going to be working on the computer all day, just spray rose water around your head and your eyes. Rose has the highest vibratory rate of all the essential oils, and it's also really good for your eyes. So not only will make you smile, it'll make you feel happier vibrational level. So I was just gonna ask you, what is it so what does it mean to have a high the highest vibratory rate of all the essential orders? Oils? Well it just it just means that when you know how like you'll meet somebody who's it's hard to explain it, but when you meet somebody who's like really depressed, you'll see like energetically the in Chinese medicine I'm also an acupuncturist, we call we call it that their energy or their chi is low. Yes. But then you see, like, you know, people who are very energetic and they get up in front of everybody and they're smiling and, and they're using their hands a lot. These are people who their energy is high, the chi is flowing, the energy is flowing. And, and different um, oils, essential oils, will uh, increase that vibratory rate. Interesting. So this is so funny. I went, I'll just, I'll just meander off to the side for a moment. 
I went to the Natural Products Expo. There's a huge show out in California in the spring and in the fall, it's in, down in Baltimore. And I guess last year, a couple years ago, the big product was actually rose and rose water was the big thing at the show. Because there's always some theme of the year that all the products are now coming out. Oh, and, really? I was yeah. going to go to that, but no, that's fantastic. It's a great show to go to. So much fun. So anyway, I come home with this um, a little bottle of rose water that, to spray. I have it by my desk. And I, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, I'll spray it on my face. And it does. It wakes me up and picks me up like right away. And it smells yeah. delicious. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. So I reinforce. I support your, your uh, rose <laughs> suggestion. Um, you said, you had an interesting thing, that um, televisions, we actually are all too close to. Um, you know, there was the running joke when we were young, don't sit too close, you'll get square eyes. Um, but you have a pretty big formula for how far away we're supposed to be from TVs. Well, TV, I mean, <clears throat> these days, you know, TV is so, the, the screens are so big. So you could be, you know, with a 60-inch uh, screen TV, you should be at least 20 feet away from the screen. So, so you should stay at least seven times the width of the screen distance. So if you've got a 40-inch screen, you know, seven times 40 inches is the distance you should be from the TV. So that's so funny. I'm I'm sitting in front of probably a, you know, in the conference room where I'm where I'm broadcasting is probably a 48 inch screen or so, more 50 inch. Will's telling me it's more than that. It's more. So, but I can't. And I'm now probably six feet away. I cannot imagine watching this from 20 or 30 feet away. That would be. I'd be squinting the whole time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is that because my eyes have, are not adequately adapted? Could be. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't examined you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you know, I mean, when I'm when I'm saying these things, <clears throat> these are un under ideal circumstances. But if you could take these recommendations, like I said, and even cut them in half, like ten feet for the sixty-inch screen yeah. TV, you're still doing yourself a, a whale of good than being two feet from it. Yes. Oh, indeed. All right. And then you had also said in terms of um, taking a break, you, we, you started talking about it before, get outside and play, which isn't just the nature part of it. It really is also being looking distant, like changing our ocular vision, you know, our, our scope of vision. Yeah, not only changing your vision and just letting it like scan the world around you, but also uh, be aware of your whole peripheral vision. Because again, as we're doing all these screens and reading and everything, we become much more centralized, and we don't pay attention to our peripheral vision. So when you're going outside and you're looking at that tree, also be aware of the trees around them, the sky at the same time. Open up your whole visual field. Gaze effortlessly at things. Don't strain. So try to take as much in on a total visual level outside uh, as possible and not just focus on one thing independently yeah all right all right let's move on to posture and i was really surprised by this actually that you talk about um you have a, you have several items that talk about the importance of posture for visual health and self-defense against screen so why is posture so important for your eyes because if you strain your neck the neck is the transducer from the spinal column to your eyes 
if you're straining your neck, you're, uh, again, it's going to affect your eyes and cause st strain. So if you, you know, you can get what we call ocular headaches. And you'll like, if you uh, press your hands uh, behind your head underneath these two little bumps, you might, a lot of people might feel it's achy back there. Uh, you'll, your posture will go, uh, you might cut off your breath because you're sort of hunched over. <clears throat> they did a study on symphony musicians during the symphony season and, you know, like violinists, you know, they're all like tilted to the side. Oh, yeah, the worst posture going, those poor things. Right, so they, they, they tested their eyes before and after the symphony season, and they showed a, a big change in astigmatism, which is a specific uh, prescription on a certain angle. So, again, we're seeing how function can affect structure. So, you know, the neck muscles, keep them loose, you know, um, do neck rolls, put warm compresses on your neck, uh, try to, you know, not be hunched over because that'll affect your breathing. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a biggie on posture. Yeah, it's really interesting. I've really noticed, I think I wrote a blog about this, that just looking up, I mean, again, with the texting, how much we look down, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's like a geometric progression of the pressure on your neck as you tilt your head forward. And just to sit up straight, shoulders back, and look up is so freeing. And that I think people oh, have yeah. forgotten. Like, I mean, we, we tend, unless you're an outfielder playing a lot of softball and baseball, how much do we really use those specific eye muscles that look up? And they're, they're part of the, eye, the muscles that move our eyes left, right, up, and down. So the more flexibility and adaptability we can have on our eye muscles, the better for us. Yeah. Now you also say um, to be a conscious lounger that you need to sit up even when you're reading a book. Don't don't lay in bed and do that, and don't lay in bed when you're don't even lay around when you're watching TV. How come you can't lay? Um, you can, you can. It's just it's just that it it, it all depends on where your neck is relative to what you're looking at. I'm, I'm saying to be a conscious lounger. Right. If, if you're sitting in a, on a couch and you're bending your head over and you're hunching yourself over, or you're putting the, the, the computer or your tablet on the bed and then you're lying on your knees and looking over right down at it, that's, that's not a good posture. So basically, do they, does it, you need to hold your, which isn't really practical to do, but hold your smartphone at eye height or your tablet at eye height. Well, in a perfect world, at about a 20-degree angle. 20-degree <laughs> down off your eyes? So you're yeah. cast down a little bit? Yeah. I think there's an invention in here for us. You know, they've got the selfie sticks. Yeah. So I think there's some something like the wearable phone. You put it some contraption that you attach to your head, and then it dangles your phone in front of you. What do you think? You think we could... Well, even just something that can hold your phone... You know, in front of you, like, you know, have, you have those things that hold your tablet in front of you, and then you have, like, a keyboard in front of you? Yeah. You know, you, if you can have your phone, and you can make it have, like, you know, just a little, little tilted. They used to have these things called slant boards that kids would use because that was the best angle that they showed that was good for your eyes and your posture. Um, Barnes & Noble used to sell them. It would be like a slant board on a pillow. Yeah, 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 the lap desks. Right, lap yeah. 
So if you just made a little one that you can put your phone into and then put it on speaker and talk into it from there, I think that that would be really good for you. If people yeah. say, oh, I'm about to have a long conversation with somebody, it's a lot better to put it on a table 16 inches away, put it in a little holder and, uh, and then talk. Yeah. I have to say, so I, I work on a desktop sometimes, a laptop sometimes, and an iPad with a keyboard. And I love working on my iPad with a keyboard. I love the touch of the keyboard, but it gives me really bad posture. I'll jut my neck out, and I, I find that I have to be careful when I work on that, and even on laptops as well, because you're, it's, it's just not where your, your posture needs to be. Exactly. Yeah. All right, now you also say with posture to skip the mood lighting. And that task lighting needs to be three times brighter than the rest of the space. What does that mean? Well, I mean, you don't, you don't want to, like, create, like, darkness. Like, sometimes people are in a dark room just looking at their tablet or their cell phone. So the rest of the room isn't lit. You know, it's just, just their, um, their device is lit. So in a perfect world... You could, if you if you don't have regular natural light coming in, you might have like light that comes off the ceiling, like halogen lights used to be. Yeah. And they come off the ceiling, so you create like even lighting um, over the whole room. So is it really hard but, on the eyes to have like the hard edge of the bright screen and then dark? No, no, you don't want all darkness around. Is that hard on your eyes? Is that what yeah. the problem is? Yeah. yeah. You know, so you want like even lighting, so that you know you just don't you just don't want to have so much, you know, uh, contrast changes. And what is that doing to the eyes? Well, it's creating a dilemma. It's like making it work harder. Because they don't know whether to dilate or not. Yeah, yeah. It depends on, you know, it's getting it's getting mixed mixed messages. Hmm. And then I think I saw you said something about that with smartphones, in the dark because of these mixed messages and your eyes dilate more, that it then, does it absorb even more of the blue light or lets more of the blue light in? Yeah, yeah, because your eyes are more dilated, yeah. All right. No no TV in the dark. No. Nope. Although, how about TV? Like, you know, now we'll go back to the big screen TV or the movie theater. So if I'm watching a big screen TV in the dark, because, of course, my husband wants all the sound effects and the lights out and the, you, you really feel it. Um, can you, is that okay as long as it's a bigger screen, so a broader field of vision? Well, it's definitely a little better than, than if it was uh, a small screen. You know, uh, you know we're a very cultural, um, adaptable uh, society. So as long as, you know, everything in moderation. You know, if you want to go to the movies for two hours and it's dark in there and you're watching the big screen... You know, your eyes will adapt for that. That's why when you go outside, if you go to the movies during the day, it's like, whoa, that's intense. <laughs> yes, I used to do that. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but, you know, I'm not telling people not to do that. It's just uh, everything in moderation. But, you know, if you do it for eight hours, then it's going to affect you more. All right. All right, you had one other category of, um, uh, I'll call it your 10 steps for healthier eyes, which was eating. You are what you eat. And that our diet can help protect our eyes from the dangers and the impact of screens how so well i mean certain nutrients such as lutein zeaxanthin uh 
astaxanthin, these different carotenoids, help absorb the blue light. They, where they sort of work like internal sunglasses. So if you're not taking it as a supplement, then you can get it through your food. So like the number one food for the eyes is not carrots, but kale. Kale has the highest degree of, um, of uh, lutein. Other high uh, carotenoid uh, nutrient uh, foods are orange peppers. So, you know, you want to get, uh, and blueberries, the dark grapes, uh, blueberries and, and uh, pomegranates, the things that are dark. So the more you can eat your fruits and vegetables, as everybody says, the better it is going to be for your eyes. Got it. All right. So the dark, the dark leafy greens, the oranges. So you didn't even mention carrots. Are carrots really not that good for your eyes? No, They're not carrots bad? are good. They have okay. beta carotene. Except yeah. a lot of times, if people are you know prone to sugar things, they're a little too high in sugar. Yeah, yeah. So you know, if you're going to make a smoothie or a green drink, and you're doing spinach and collards and kale, you can put a carrot or two in there. But you just, but you know, people who, you know, just do all carrot juice, I find sometimes that's a little too high in sugar content. Got it. All right. But dark leafy greens, bright colored colored vegetables, and then the darker fruits, the blueberries uh, and the pomegranates. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Let's talk about, you have some great exercises um, to help people prevent eye strain or to, you know, ease it off. We actually did a video about this. It's on it's on our website at bottomlineinc.com. Um, we have a whole bunch of videos that you and I did, but let's talk about some of those exercises because they're great. They're easy. Um, we can do them during those little breaks. Um, one of my favorites, and it feels so good, is your palming exercise. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a beautiful one. Basically, you just rub your hands together for about 30 seconds, create some warmth in your hands, and then, sl- and then open up your hands so you like cupping uh, your hands, your palms. So let's say you could put like a half inch of a half uh, ounce of water in it. So you cup it slightly, you keep your fingers together, and then you put the palm of your, uh, of your hand over one eye, and then you put the palm, doing it as I'm talking to you, <laughs> and then you put the palm of your other hand over the other eye and have them cross, have the fingers cross, not straight up and down, but have them cross. And it doesn't really matter if it's the left over right or right over left, but you're trying to cut out as much light as possible. And you have your eyes closed, not tightly closed, but gently closed. So I have people palm their eyes, especially when they're taking breaks from the computers, for at least 30 seconds. And when you're palming your eyes, remember to breathe. And the palm will hit all these very, very powerful acupressure points around your eyes. So you're not only getting the benefit of relaxing your eyes through the palming and relaxing your mind, you're also stimulating and tonifying some very powerful acupressure points. And what are the are those acupressure points for your brain, for your eyes, for your sinuses, all of the above? Uh, mostly for your eyes. Yeah. No, it does. It feels it's such a lovely relief to do that. Oh yeah, that's why people who go to yoga classes they tend to add uh, end all yoga classes with a thing called savasana where you lie down and you palm your eyes. Ah, uh, yeah, it is. Because if you can relax your eyes, it's much easier to relax your whole body. Interesting. All right, and then you do you like doing figure eights with your eyes. Why is yeah, that? Figure eights. Yeah, figure eights. We want to hit all those extraocular muscles. So 
It's almost like you go around a clock. You'll do a figure eight, like with every with the with the eight crossing at your nose level, from twelve o'clock to six o'clock. Make you know do two breaths worth of eights up and down, and then in a perfect world you can go around the clock. Then you do two breaths one to seven o'clock, two to eight o'clock, three to nine o'clock, so four just- to ten o'clock. Five to eleven o'clock. So you're going around the clock, doing figure eights all around the clock. So this way you're doing them uh, straight up and down, uh, horizontally, and also on the diagonal. Doing this exercise will help uh, get the adaptability and the flexibility of your extraocular muscles. Yeah, I'm saying that I wasn't palming my eyes while you were doing it, but I am doing the figure eights right now. Um, and it is, it's different muscles in the different, at the different angles. And right, it, and you'll feel like some, some ways are harder than others. Yeah, well, and does it matter, like, should you do it clockwise and counterclockwise? Is it different going in both directions? Uh, I like, see, I know, how, that's why you're so smart. That's, <laughs> that's why they pay me the big bucks. That's right. I, that's why, that's what I also recommend, I was going to say, and if you have the time, go clockwise and then do it counterclockwise, yep. Yeah. And, you know, I'll just, I'll reinforce this again. And you said it before, like we, we take, we take the eye muscles and the eye for granted. So people do their push-ups, they do their sit-ups. These are like push-ups for your eyes to just keep them moving and, and make those muscles strong. And, and, right. and even if you just do these for anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes, you'll have big benefits from it. So, so don't say you don't have enough time. I mean, to do all these visual hygiene exercises could be, in a perfect world, six minutes. But even if you do them for a total of all of them for two minutes, you're going to benefit your eyes. Yeah, well, and even again, when you want to take the breaks. Or here's an idea. While you're sitting at the dinner table, instead of looking at your screen, you could do like a family eye break. You could do a family eye exercise. And then everybody will simply laugh because you look kind of goofy when you watch their eyes go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about those blue light dangers for a couple minutes. Because, um, you know, I don't know if people really understand what they are or why they are. So um, what is it about blue light and why is well, it so prevalent in the screen age? Well, it's the shortest frequency and it comes to the eye and creates more... Uh, issues on the retina, the lens of the eye, so it, it, it'll break down uh, the proteins in the lens of the eye, the photoreceptors in the back of the eye. We're more susceptible to, um, to damage to our eyes from the blue light frequencies, the blue light, the blue light wavelength. So I was doing a little research, and I'm going to challenge ourselves. And believe it or not, Harvard had an article that said that blue light would not necessarily increase the risk of macular degeneration and blindness. How could Harvard be saying that? Um, I'd have to see it was, the study. It was, it was, you know, kind of a lone wolf. You know, it was a lone voice in a sea of blue light is dangerous. So I was really kind of surprised to see it. Yeah, I mean, the problem with, with a lot of studies is, yes, it, 
it, I wouldn't, it's not going to, like, if you're going to sit in front of blue light for, let's say, you put a rat in front of blue light for 20 hours, do they have macular degeneration after the 20 hours? Possibly not, but it can make you more vulnerable to things. You know, so, you know, it definitely has a, uh, an effect, you know, over time. So I haven't, you know, I'll have to look at that study and see what it is. But, you know, my feeling is is that it's just not it's it's just not healthy for your eyes. Well, and you, yeah, you and everyone else. And in fact, I'll send you the link. We'll 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 do a little back channel chatter. Um, so, but it was just surprising to me. But yes, blue light. So they they have now these blue light filters on screens, and they have coatings on glasses. Should people be using those or getting those? I think so, and especially, yeah, on the glasses, yeah. And should they get, um, and even if, if they don't have prescription glasses, I think you could get just regular blue coating. Oh, yeah, you can just go and just get them online for yeah. Like $10, yeah. Sure. Are they all basically the same? Do you need to buy fancy uh, ones or do $10 ones do the job? There's a whole bunch of difference in them, but, um, but some of them are pretty good, yeah. Yeah. We did a podcast with Michael Bruce, who's a sleep doctor. And he was talking about the impact of blue light on your sleep, again, because we were talking before that it affects your melatonin, it affects your circadian rhythms. And he makes his teenagers, who of course refuse to get off the screen, and sometimes they can't because they have homework, they, he makes his teenagers wear the blue light glasses, the filter glasses, uh, in the evening. All right. Um, okay, let's see what else. The, and how about... It's, it's interesting. I just went to your... <clears throat> Your uh, Harvard study? Yeah. And what they said here, and this is interesting, because I agree with this part, it says, compared to the risk from aging, smoking, cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, being overweight, exposure to typical levels of blue light from consumer electronics is negligible in terms of increased risk of macular degeneration. Yes, compared to those other things... (laughs) Uh, Small detail I overlooked, huh? (laughs) Yeah, those other things are very increased totally. I mean, I have that in my book. Right. How all those other things will increase your risk of macular degeneration. Just because they're not as bad as those of high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you. You know? Well. And again, what they say does not support these. Well, and at, yeah, at six, seven, eight hours a day in front of these screens, that's a lot of exposure that people are going through and right. without exercising and without eating properly and getting the nutrients that can protect them. Well, those same right. um, lutein... the other thing in, in that study. The amount of blue light from electronic devices, including smartphones, tablets, LCD TVs, and laptop computers, they say is not harmful to the retina or any other part of the eye. But... They don't say how long you you're exposed to it. Right. I I don't know. Right. It was just yeah, it no, was an article. Really I was just scanning and gathering data because you know no, no, you know right. me. I, I mean, like that's, to research. That's what I would like to like yeah. if you if you don't sit and study for six to eight hours a day, like the Chinese, you're not going. You know, you're not going to get nearsightedness. So looking. Uh, studying for 45 minutes a day or looking up close is not a cause of nearsightedness if you only do it 45 minutes a day. 
No, but it's the additive, the cumulative, looking exactly. at your email, exactly. doing your studying, watching a video, do being on FaceTime, texting exactly. a zillion times, etc. Right. So that's that's what that's what I don't see here. They don't they don't say well if you earn if you, the amount that's coming out of the the electronics isn't terrible, but if you're exposed to it for six eight hours a day. Yeah, it's going to affect you. Right. And again, closer at closer points. Um, hey, quick question. Will the same food that you talked about before, the dark leafy greens and the fruits and the vegetables, help um, protect from the, the uh, dangers of the blue light? Yes. Okay. Yeah, lutein, zeaxanthin, uh, astaxanthin, and vitamin C are all good for helping protect from blue light and ultraviolet light. I'll remember red peppers, kale, blueberries, pomegranates. <laughs> I yeah. can spell them better. Whole vitamin C is easy to spell. Um, anything else? Final final parting shot that you'd like to share, make sure everybody is aware of takes away. Um, my final uh, side is, you know, our eyes, you know, I'm a little biased, again, once more being uh, an optometrist for almost 40 years, that, you know, we were given this precious gift of sight, and uh, you know I deal with so many people who are losing their sight through macular degeneration, cataracts, glaucoma. So you know, as Benjamin Franklin said, prevention is the best medicine. So and function affects structure. So if we can start to try to live a healthier lifestyle and a healthier visual lifestyle, it'll help protect our precious gift of sight. Perfect. All right, Dr. Mark Grossman, you're, you're awesome. Thank you for sharing your book, Natural Eye Care, Your Guide to Healthy Vision and Healing. It is, it's, it's got every, it's the biggest book I've ever seen, I think. There's so much information in there. And they can learn more about you, naturaleyecare.com. So thank you so very much. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Appreciate it. I'm talking to Dr. Mark Grossman, behavioral doctor of optometry, about the abuses our eyes are receiving as a result of the digital age and how people can protect their eyesight. Mark's whole body approach to eye health, that includes exercise, diet, nutrition, and even acupuncture and yoga, helps patients know that there's far more to eye health and eyesight than simply buying a new pair of glasses each year as your eyes age. It's one example of what our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, is all about. Mark is one of the thousands of top experts featured in Bottom Line Personal, not just in healthcare, but in all aspects of your life, including financial planning, great gift ideas, how to save money on travel, insurance snafus, smart tax strategies, improving your relationships, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for over 40 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of the greatest tips from our experts of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash BLP. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash BLP.